Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. I guess we should begin with a little bit of background on who we are and why we're here doing this. My name is Eric. I'm a Wisconsin resident for 30 plus years. I grew up in the Elkhorn area. I attended school at the Elkhorn Area School District. I studied broadcast journalism and marketing in high school and later studied general business and marketing in college. I'm an avid Wisconsin sports fan and I'm a lover of everything music. And I'm Russell Sari. Um, I was also born in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and attended the Elkhorn Area School District. Um, I went to college, and uh, I got a design engineering degree, which I've been doing for about probably 11 years now. Um, we currently own a hobby farm just outside of Beloit called Rebel Roost Farms. We've been doing that for about three years now. And I also have been interested in podcasting, which I have another podcast, but due to COVID, things have kind of been shut down. Yeah, and uh, honestly, man, what kind of sparked your interest in, in, in first of all, history and then uh, broadening that out to, uh, like, more Wisconsin history stuff? I mean, I know for me, I just, I loved I, living here and visiting all the different areas and going to a few of the, the museums and the places that you and I have visited together even. So for you, what was it? Yeah, for me, so it started in, in obviously, high school. Uh, Mr. Ayler, shout-outs. He was a cool teacher. Um, he got me really interested in the history. Um, when I went to college, obviously, I had to take main engineering credits. But when I could take filler courses, I'd always take history classes. I, I love history. Um, one of the most notable ones for anybody attending UW currently is a Native American history. It's a really great class, and uh, it introduces you into things you wouldn't necessarily know normally. Um, I would attend free lectures at the Wisconsin Historical Society. Um, you can watch these lectures on PBS called University Place. They're all pre-recorded, and you can just kind of go in and watch them at any time. And this is what led me digging deeper into many of these topics. Um, yeah, it, it, like you can go into archives, you can go into any town, you can go talk to people. And, you know, the History Channel was another one that got me interested. This is the old History Channel. We're talking <laughs> Leonard Nimoy and George Clooney narrating, not this World War II only and yeah, this and, reality TV. Yeah, and no, none of the Ice Road Trucker stuff. Yeah, and so this is kind of leads us to our podcast. Um, we want to share our discoveries, and we want you to kind of hear what we have to say. Um, obviously, while having a couple brews, and classic. Yeah, it sounded pretty crisp. 
And yeah, this leads us to our podcast. It's um, one that was kind of broadcasted on University Place about Hurley, Wisconsin. And here we go. So here's our main story, Hurley, Wisconsin, the red light district of Wisconsin. Oh man, this episode's about to get greasier than a fried cheese curd. So my references I've used here to find many of the information was obviously uh, University Place and the Wisconsin Historical Society. And one of my favorite references, obviously, is the old softcover, dusty, disgusting books. Um, the one specifically I read um, in this case was Deepwoods Frontier by Theodore Karamansky. Deepwoods. <laughs> there is... There is much more details out there, but this is an overview of Hurley. Nobody wants to hear a three-hour podcast, so I'm not going to go into it. This is going to be kind of the overview, kind of the main things that happened throughout the town and the history of this dark, dark, dark thing. So I'm sure many of you have never heard of Hurley, Wisconsin. It's a very small town set in Iron County in the northeast corner of Wisconsin, it's bordering the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and is a few blocks away from Ironwood, Michigan. If you were to follow Silver Street, you're actually going to go right into Ironwood, Michigan. With a population that hovers about 15 people, 1,500 people, for me personally, this place really holds a special place in my heart. My uh, grandmother grew up in Saxon, Wisconsin. Um, her, her family were Finnish immigrants along with my grandfather's family. Um, the Finnish came here. I don't want to get too into it, but the Finnish came here because the climate was really the same and it was the same type of farming and they were used to doing this thing. Um, we make homage every year, me and my girlfriend, Rachel, to this area and we indulge in the beauty. I mean, the place is beautiful and we really don't want to deter you. This podcast is not to deter you from Hurley. We, we don't want to do that. And honestly, it's just to give you a, a, the the background of it. It's not, yeah, it has nothing to do with um, saying that, that Hurley's a, a, a poor place to go to or, you know, th- this is all things that happened a, a while back. Yeah, the, the town sort of embraces this this dark culture. You know, it's it's not that they love it, but they also embrace it, and it's part of their history. But, yeah, we also enjoy camping. We enjoy going to heritage sites in the area and really indulge in the beauty of the nature. It's, it's, complete, it's, it's very beautiful. Um, there are many great things to do, um, and I want, don't want to deter anybody. One of the things is the Iron Nugget Brewery Restaurant, the Silver Dollar Saloon, and Little Finland shout-outs. Waterfalls are everywhere, and the outdoor scenery is breathtaking. Hunting, fishing, you can do it all. This is kind of the other history of the town. It's a somewhat darker history, a darker past, but it's part of Hurley nonetheless. Hurley was named after M.A. Hurley, who was an attorney from Wausau, Wisconsin. He was sort of a hero to this area as he won a case against the Northern Chief Iron Company in 1884. It was originally called Glen Hurley, but after a year the first name was dropped and became just Hurley. This area is known for its iron mines and logging industry. And in fact, they still run a paper mill which is in Ashland, which is about 45 minutes away from there. Hurley has one of the deepest iron mines on the planet. And Silver Street is the main strip that runs through town and is one of the main drags that run through the town of Hurley and has many historic buildings that are still standing. And this is kind of where our story is taking place today. During the early turn of the century, man catchers... Man, it sounds like a, like a Hall & Oates cheesy She's song. She's a man catcher. Yeah, it's like a Dollar General version <laughs> of that song. Uh, they would drive up and down Silver Street area where they would pick up people. These were called hobo lumberjacks. Um, these people were just up there to make money, and that was pretty much it. 
um, this job was a difficult job because the camps up there, there were so many of them that they, keeping people was difficult because they could just skip and get another job. It wasn't like they had to stick to one. If they were mistreated, they're like, we're, we're out of here. We're taking our money and we're leaving. And I don't want to go too far down the, uh, the lumber industry because it's a huge rabbit hole and could be a completely po- another podcast all in itself. Right. All of northern Wisconsin at that time was really just lumberjacks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wood going on. <laughs> Deep woods. Um, but yeah, the workers would spend weeks at these camps out in the woods and would save, you know, a lot of money because there's nowhere to spend your money. You're, you're, you're working nonstop, 12-hour days, and then you would sleep in a barracks with other guys. And this is kind of where Hurley took off. Um, what, what, do you, what do you do when you have a pocket full of cash? You're, you're tired of seeing dudes all the time. Where are you going to go? Yeah, and there's no Walmart either. You're going to Hurley, of course, and you're going to have a great time. So Hurley started gaining a reputation for prostitution, sex trafficking, gambling, fighting, and other substance abuse issues. Unlike bordellos, which housed the prostitution, Hurley women often did their business in the open in the saloons and bars. They, they were flaunting that stuff. Uh, I got to admit, Hurley back then kind of sounds like a Saturday night here now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a great time. I mean, fighting prostitution drinking if, if i was alive during this time i'm not gonna lie i was finished i'd probably be working either in an iron mine or at a lumberjack camp I you mean, fit in right now yeah i kind of look in a little lumberjacky today yeah. I, got, I got a beard and a covid haircut there you go covid haircut <laughs> that's that's not a haircut if, if you're all wondering no it's just kind of letting your hair go wild you kind of look like a, a caveman yeah but so these are all the claims I could find. Um, there's probably many more out there, and but all these are factual. They've they're from the historical society, and these are kind of how I want to share them in in the timeline of how they happened. So the first case we came across was in 1889. Governor Rusk was forced to open an investigation into these claims and assigned Madison detective James Fielding. He interviewed more than 600 prostitutes. 600, I mean... <laughs> there wasn't even that many people in the town, for crying out right, loud. Like, 600 of them were prostitutes? The ladies pros- of the night? 50% is the ladies of the evening in that town. <laughs> and, you know, they did, a, they did a very thorough investigation, but obviously it wasn't done well enough. Um, here's what he said. He's, here's what he's quoted as saying. After all the thorough investigations made by myself and a vast deal of correspondence on the subject... I've been unable to arrive at any other conclusion except that there has been more smoke than fire. I'm convinced that no such deplorable and infamous condition of affair exists and that there's no call for interference on the part of the state. In 1913, another special state commission was formed to crack down. I mean, it's, it's getting wild. I mean, this, this is going on the entire time. Back during this time, you could be fined as... You know, for buying a prostitute, males were fined seven dollars and fifteen cents, which it sounds like really cheap now. Yeah, but that's like a couple hundred dollars then. Right. I mean, you're ma- you're making a dollar or less a day probably in these camps, which a dollar goes a long way back then. Um, male gets fined seven dollars and fifteen cents for the violation, and women nineteen dollars and fifteen cents. Um, it's a significant amount of money, even for them. I mean. They're trying. What they're trying to do is find them so heavily that they can't get back into it. But what are you going to do to pay these fines? Probably get back into it. Exactly. <laughs> Probably sell myself on the corner of Silver Street up there. 
And I mean, it, it probably did slow it down. And it does say in the book that some of it was slowed up. But in December 31st of 1921, in an effort to reduce the New Year's Eve partying and fighting on Silver Street, a restraining orders were dished out to 29 local saloons. 29 in a small town. There's 29 saloons? Yeah. Wow. Federal, federal agents who were dressed as lumberjacks had all visited the establishments that night and were served alcohol, which during this time prohibition was going on. And um, they, they, the owners were forced to give evidence that they didn't commit these crimes. And obviously they couldn't. I mean, these investigators have, they're, they're screwed. I mean, yeah. So on March 30th, all the bars were padlocked shut. But even this action did not stop anything. People in Hurley completely disregarded prohibition. Um, from the words of somebody only known as Old Jack, which Jeez. is completely sketch. Dude, that is, yeah. I'm not trusting anybody not named Old Jack. Yeah, right. I mean, he sounds like a really dingy dude. Um, Those gambling dens were humming, he said. <laughs> he spent six days spree. Spending his earnings on gambling, drinking, and one woodsman even recalls fighting. If you don't have five or six fights when you went to town, you didn't have a very good time. They loved to fight, but they fought according to the rules. They couldn't use a knife or anything like that. It was just hand-to-hand fighting. And Mel Frisk, Frisk. (laughs) Getting handsy here, Frisky. Yeah, he's, he's getting a little wild. Hands off, buddy. He recalls. They closed bars early, and you'd come in, and someone would have taken the door down after the bars have closed, nonetheless, and they would drink. Other times, the bartender was beat up and thrown out, and they would just end up serving themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's- Imagine being at the Applebee's today and uh, kicking, kicking the bartender uh, out of the bar and just going to town on those, you know, $5 whatever hey, tornadoes. Buddy, I-, I need a tornado. <laughs> Yeah. Bow right to the door. Just, just kick that sucker down and get one of those hurricanes. Okay, and then so the next the next play takes place during the 1930s and 40s. Um, the area became known to gangsters, and it, it kind of became a resort resort haven and somewhere where they thrived because obviously the gambling, the drinking were taking place. They could make a little profit off it. And this wouldn't be the last time Fibs crapped all over our state. Um, we've honestly become Illinois' national park. Yeah, uh, and just a side note, Miller Park is not Wrigley North. Exactly. And uh, big names, actually, like Babyface Nelson, John Dillinger, and even Al Capone himself were known to be in this area to escape the heat. My grandmother, June, she was born in Saxon, but to get groceries back then, there were no grocery stores besides like the big towns. There was Ashland and Hurley were the two main ones. Um, she would, she would go into town with her mom and her mom and dad would cover her eyes as they walked down to go shopping because women openly flaunted themselves there. So she, her parents didn't want her to see these like scantily dressed women. And, uh, obviously there were gangsters there. So these really nice cars and people dressed in, you know, for the time period, probably, you know, $30 overcoat, which is insane. I yeah. mean, that's like, that's for a lumberjack. That's like a month's pay alone. Um, in 1942, another cleansing would happen to Hurley. This one was led by state treasurer John M. Smith and John W. Roach. Smith and Roach. It sounds like a really... <laughs> Smith and Roach. It sounds like a really like cheap 
greasy lawyer firm. Yeah, that's they're not getting hired. And they worked on behalf of the Treasury Beverage Tax Division. And you know, you know when Uncle Sam gets involved, there's going to be some problems. Because this is now getting to a federal level. They shut down the majority of the prostitution and gamblings and taverns that were linked to the operation. They managed to arrest 36 women and 17 bartenders who took part in the operation. This was probably one of the main operatives that were conducted by our government in the lewd behavior. Um, Another major occurrence occurred on December 17, 1980. Iron County Circuit Judge Alex J. Raineri was convicted of promotion of prostitution, perjury, and threatening a witness. He was linked to the finances of a bar known as Show Bar. Um, The Show Bar is where the prostitution was taking place and girls were going into the back room. His lover, Ciara Gasbari, was the judge's lover and they would split the proceeds between themselves. The bar burned down in April of 1879, so you can't go there today and actually visit this location. But in the end, he was convicted of five counts of prostitution violations and it's just another blow to the operation in general and i think this was kind of one of the final straws of the town but you would think after all all the town had overcome you think this would reduce its narch you know the dark nature that occurred here that's not true (laughs) Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about hurley right now okay hurley currently has Eight strip clubs. That's right, eight. It says six, but this is not updated and is not true. And you can trust me on this one. Wink, wink. <laughs> Show bar's back up and running, guys. <laughs> and it actually makes it the record for the nation's most strip clubs per capita. Um, it is roughly one strip club for roughly 190 of its citizens, which ends up I'm not doing my math here correct. And I'm an engineer, but I'm not doing my math here correct. But it's roughly about four boobs per male resident. Wow. Motorboat on, Hurley. Yeah, that's woo, That's a lot of vanilla and, um, and sparkles. <laughs> yeah, there's some sense going home with these guys. And they obtain the talent from these strip clubs as far away as Texas because it's really booming, especially during hunting months, ATV runs, motorcycle runs, snowmobile runs. I mean, you can you can literally drive your snowmobile up north to a bar. I I mean, a lot of people do it, and it's actually one of the questions I have for our next upcoming segment. I can tell you this from experience: if you go hunting in the north woods, you have to stop. I mean, as greasy as it is, is, you have to stop. It's it's just a good time. Well, it's honestly, I mean, it's part of the whole thing. You know, you're gonna go up there, up north. Up north, dear guy. <laughs> and uh, the, yeah, it's, it's become part of the tradition. I know that you're, 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 obviously you're getting up early in the morning. You're getting your rifles ready. You hit the woods. But honestly, by about like noon or one, you're done. Right. There's no more hunting going on. You're just, you're going back to the cabin, you know, where, wherever you're staying. And you're cracking a couple of cold ones. And... By then, you know, four or five o'clock, you're hitting the uh, the old show bar. Exactly, and you know, it's definitely a must stop. And I I can guarantee from personal experience, they're crustacean free. I mean, nobody wants those pinchy little guys on you. Yikes! Yeah, you might want to be calling in the clinic. 
Yep. My, so, my wife will be involved somehow. <laughs> so as so, if you want to head into town, you can hop on what we call your pole Laris mm-hmm. or your pole mobile, and head into town and see some of the action. And I want to paint a picture for you because I've witnessed this firsthand. When you walk into this place, you see all these guys dressed in bla- you know blaze orange. A lot of these guys smell like pee because they're wearing their their deer attractant. Still, I mean, it, it's 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 an overwhelming smell. I don't know if you've ever smelt it. Yeah, I mean, I hey, I don't ever want to smell a guy who you know smells like dough urine. To be honest, exactly. And then you know, there's boobs everywhere. Obviously, so it's it's quite a scene to, to witness. At least go once in your life, you know. And ladies, if your husband says. Me and the boys, uh, yeah, we're heading into town for a supply run. We'll call you later. You you know what they're doing. Yeah, they're they're slipping they're slipping a dollar in a butt cheek, you know. <laughs> and you know if your wife questions you like why you smell like perfume, Bob. Oh yeah, um, Jeff got a dough. Um, uh, she had a little vanilla scent and glitter on her. Oh boy, I don't know if it's really gonna work, but and no. don't take it from us. Don't don't blame us if you get in trouble here. But that'll conclude our episode on Hurley. Um, how did you feel on the episode? Well, I feel like I need a shower, uh, number one. Um, but I learned a lot. I mean, these aren't things that, that I would have maybe necessarily known just from visiting the town now. Uh, obviously, I would have known about their uh, rich culture in current strip club activity. But I, I probably wouldn't have known that, that the... The, the issue rolls back as far as it did and then as as deep as it was too i mean you're you're telling me right now that this was a sincere issue the the feds were involved this wasn't just local authorities trying to bust this thing i mean this is this is cool this is this is exactly what we want this to be we want to give you a quick education on this little area so that way when you go there you're not just getting that that quick piece of you know, visiting the, the, the current nature and the current camping and, and whatever else they have to um, uh, offer. But also, hey, just to know this is what it was. This is what it's, you know, uh, divulged into, what it's grown into and transformed. So the, the history lesson here is, uh, is what's the most important part. But we do have more for you. Oh, yeah. The, the episode's definitely not done. And I just want to say, like, if you get a chance to go to Hurley, I highly recommend you seeing it. It's it's a beautiful place, and uh, I don't want to deter you, and this episode wasn't meant to deter anybody. Um, but, yeah, thank you for listening to our main segment, and I hope you enjoyed it. Now for a quick break. All right, everybody, welcome back. Had to take a quick potty break. Welcome to our next segment, How Scotty Are You? Our uh, first guest is going to actually just be uh, my co-host Russell Sari. So we are going to be asking him a few questions to determine exactly how Wisconsin this guy is. Oh, I'm pretty Wisconsin. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, we'll see. Questions will tell the truth here. Have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Oh yeah. I mean, we go we go to Decatur like once a month, so I get the squeakiest of the curds. Absolutely. Have you been to a Packers game at Lambeau Field? Oh, twice in my life. It's hard to get a ticket nowadays, but I've been there. Yeah, I'll I'll break in really quick. 
I went to the second coldest uh, Packer game in Lambeau history, which was against the 49ers. Uh, maybe it was 2011. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but it was a playoff game uh, against the 49ers with, uh, obviously, Colin Kaepernick. Um, but that was it, it, that was an event, man. Dude, they cover the floor of the whole stadium in um, like styrofoam, and then they put uh, uh, styrofoam and like cardboard on the seats and the backs, and then they hand out hand warmers at the at the gates when you get in. And they give you like two cups of free hot chocolate or coffee during the game. It's nuts. They really take care of you. Um, but I digress. Have you ever rocked a cheese head or cheese hat? Oh, or a cheese a cheese item. Oh, I I rocked a cheese hat. Dude, I'd wear a freaking cheese thong. I love Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. Cheese bra for sure for me. You gotta keep these babies up. Um, have you ever been up north? Oh, I've been up north. I've been all the way to the the furthest north city, which is it's actually a town called Cornucopia. It's at the very tip. Okay. Um, you can go further, obviously, if you get to, like, the islands, Madeline Island and all those, like, further up there. Okay, sure, sure. Um. <laughs> or Mackinac Island, I should say. Not. Madeline's a different location. <laughs> Madeline was uh, one of the ladies of the evening at, yeah. the, at the Hurley Bar Show or whatever I've, I've it was had, I've had Show a, bar, that was it. I've had a few brews. Let's just throw it out there. Have you ever drank yourself to oblivion well alone oh yeah there's been times where i've woken up in a bathtub and like forgetting where i was bath bomb is completely dissolved oh yeah the the candles are down to uh just just burning wicks sitting on the side of the tub the shorts have a little trickle in them absolutely um have you ever shot a shotgun yeah actually i i have one of my own i i don't really i'm not a huge hunter but i do like to shoot my shotgun once in a while Absolutely. Just, you know, get out there in the backyard and yell yeehaw. (laughs) Have you ever milked a cow? Oh, of course. Yeah. So we, we used to like when I was older, we lived on kind of a dairy farm. But besides that, I've, I've milked a couple cows before that. (laughs) I've milked, I've milked some other. Have you, did you milk cows by hand or did you, were you in like a, like a modern day parlor with the suctions? I I use bare hands. I go raw on those udders. Nice. Um, have you taken a dump outside? <laughs> yeah, actually hunting multiple times, camping a few times, and actually, funny story is uh, one time I was with Eric, and uh, there was a a person they said a neighbor, who said was actually giving them a lot of problems and really causing them a lot of grief. I do um, recall. I do recall. And so I ended up going over there after a few beers and a little bit of food in my belly and pooped on their porch. Yeah. Um, I also recall that we might have divulged uh, the truth behind this matter also on that day. What, what, what happened? Well, come to find out, I made a swirly cone. It was disgusting. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, I was really not proud of that poop. Um, they end up telling me, this neighbor never did anything to us. This is just a complete stunt. I mean, we don't even really know the guy at all. We've seen him outside a couple times. But. It's messed up. Well, have you been to a Badgers game? 
Yeah, actually, you know, I used to live on Regent Street with uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine. We, I went to school there. She was going to school there. We lived at the Regent, and uh, which was like an apartment complex, but it was really close to the Randall Stadium. It was literally a block away. Yeah, I've I've actually never been to Camp Randall for a game, uh, and it's I guess the other the other stadium too the. Is that the Kohler Center? Kohl Center? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there for a Rascal Flats concert. They were there with Blake Shelton and somebody else, too. Um, but I've actually never seen a Badger basketball game either. So you got me on that one. Yeah. Um, have you woke up in the morning and had a Bloody Mary? Like, first thing. Dude, you know this one. We, you've, absolutely. You've came over and had them with me. Dude, absolutely. We've woken up together. Uh, and not, had Bloody Not that we were sleeping together. <laughs> I happened to be at his house and what was the name of the one? It was like spicy tubs. Dude, Jimmy loves Jimmy loves. That's it. Sp- spicy tubs. <laughs> spicy tubs was my nickname in high school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That wasn't, uh, but Jay loves Jimmy loves. Um, if you guys dare, uh, try that out. Cause that stuff will give you instant heartburn, uh, instant regret. It's, it's great going down, coming out. You Dude, might be gripping that porcelain. Yeah. Let's just throw it out there. There are specks of lava in that thing. Um, have you been to a Brewers game? Yeah, multiple times. I mean, absolutely. Now, now that they're doing good, it's kind of hard to get a ticket. But you used to be able to fill up 10, 10 gallons of gas and get a free ticket. Yeah, absolutely. I remember those days, man. Uh, have you worn a flannel to work? Yeah, multiple times. My boss wasn't very happy when I came in with the old lumberjack look. Yeah. Uh, have you had at least one DUI? I haven't, but there's, uh, many stories where I probably should have. And, uh, I regret those. Now I was a young kid at the time. Absolutely. Stay safe out there guys, by the way, drink Wisconsin. Have you had a sandwich at quick trip or any of their hot items there? Oh yeah. The, the ribs, my favorite. I also like their hamburger. The cheeseburger is delicious. Dude, their morning croissant. Uh, ham sandwich dude number one number one i'll have to give that a shot no do you know what cream city is yeah it's actually milwaukee and uh funny enough we'll probably have an episode on this actually the reason they named it cream city it's pretty interesting we actually side note we have some we have some of that origin right here in our own house and we're in muskego but it was built uh in the early 1900s 1920 something maybe so but yeah we'll we'll divulge that uh, a little bit more in a in a future episode do you know what a glazer is i've had one of those delicious donuts i don't know about you oh like i'm a quick trip native i love a that dozen place. or so about a baker's dozen uh have you been deer hunting yeah i used to go with my dad and grandpa as a kid and uh, i remember going up there listening to like old country western tracks Yep, absolutely, man. Oh, here we go. Have you drank a whole 12-pack of Miller by yourself? Any Miller by yourself? Yeah, it's good that you say that because Miller Lite, yes. But if you were to probably go harder like an MGD, I don't think I'd survive. Yeah, and I would I would imagine, too, that, uh, you know, you want to stick to the lighter stuff if you're going to go heavy. And, it, yeah, it was over an all-day period, obviously. It wasn't yeah. just, like, one after another. It was, like, kind of over the day. So you're sweating it out, especially working outside. That's the thing. You know, that's, you know when, you're, when you're doing hard work, you got to have some beers. Have you been on a cheese tour? 
Yeah, actually, there's a really cool one if you want to check it out. It's a National Historic Cheesemaking Facility, and it's actually in um, Monroe, Wisconsin. I recommend checking it out to anyone. Have you been to a party in the middle of a cornfield? I'm from Elkhorn, of course. I mean, I probably, we've been to multiple. I've probably been one with you. I mean, I ran through the cornfield when the cops came a couple of times. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was just going to actually point out, that was your escape plan at any one of those uh, uh, farm parties. Yeah, I mean, we always kind of had If you duck routes. in there, man, nobody's finding you. Right, I mean, we had routes set. I mean, you'd, yep. you'd, you might fall in a ditch and wake up with coyotes around you, but they're not going to bother you. That's the thing. Is nobody's coming out there after you. All right. Have you been on a brewery tour? That's a dumb question. Uh, so if you go in my garage, there's probably about 100 pint glasses from every brewery tour I've been on. Um, me and Sturgeon were actually out in Fort Collins. We got to go to a whole bunch of really cool ones. Obviously, I've been to tons in Wisconsin. Yeah, we actually did a... Uh a uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, Dirty 30 for Russ. Uh, that's been probably four four years ago. It was, you know, it was a good time. I just was so strung out from the road because we only planned it for a weekend. But it was yeah. a good, it was a good time otherwise. And it's a, it's a, about a 14, 15 hour drive. And so that kind of coupled with the idea that we're only going to be there for a couple days. It's a quick turnaround uh, 14 hours is just a lot of driving, but when we got out there, we had an, an absolutely awesome time. Fort Collins is, uh, kind of an under, under, uh, spoken about, um, city in, uh, Colorado, you know, obviously you hear of your big ones, but Fort Collins is actually awesome. And they have an absolutely awesome brew scene and they have a really cool downtown square feel to it as well. I know that we we were down there for just that that short little while, but we got a chance to explore, and it's awesome. So if you haven't, check that out. Um, have you destroyed a whole pack of Johnsonville brats? You know, I don't think I've destroyed a whole pack. I've definitely had at least half a pack by myself with, with obviously, mustard. I love mustard and yep. uh, relish. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not honestly a Johnsonville guy. I'm a Clements guy. Uh, growing up um, – well, not growing up, but living in Milwaukee, um, down in Walker's Point and then in Bayview, uh, the Clements factory uh, and their little um, distribution center or something like that. We used to go there like once a week. Yeah. I mean, you can go old Milwaukee, too, where you got Usinger's, which is like Usinger's one of the oldest, original. Yeah. Yeah. The old German area of Milwaukee. And I recommend checking it out. Actually, shout out to the German Beer Hall. It's a great place to go, you know, play some Hammerschlag and have a good time. Just shout outs. Definitely. So this next question, I'm going to revise a little bit. It's, have you been to a supper club? I'm going to revise it and say, how many supper clubs have you been to? (laughs) So I think total I've been to four. I've been to Ishnala. I've been to the Butterfly Butterfly Club, Duck Inn, and um, Little Bohemia when I was younger. Yeah, we've, uh, we actually, we, that's something that we do. Uh, on a regular basis as we try to hit up uh, a few a summer and so Andrea and I together we've been to a handful but I've I've probably been to over 20 in the state of Wisconsin there's actually a map that Russ and I will probably link somewhere on one of our social media sites uh, or maybe even our website to show you that there's a uh, a map of all the supper clubs that are registered here in the state of Wisconsin uh, you can use it as almost like a checklist to to mark the ones that you've been to. All right. Have you had a true muddled old fashioned? 
Yeah, funny story on the old-fashioned. So obviously I've had Wisconsin old-fashioned, but for work I was sent out to Boston, and I probably was in uh, Quincy, which is probably one of the more Irish areas, and uh, a bartender who had a really thick Irish accent, um, I asked him if he knew how to make an old-fashioned, because I, I was kind of missing my home. I was missing my kids, and I was missing Rachel, and I just kind of wanted to have like a Wisconsin feel, and he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, do you want me to uh, smash that at the bottom for you? And I thought that was, like, the coolest thing. Like, somebody from Boston knew how to make a true Wisconsin old-fashioned. It was really cool. Yeah, that's not something you see every day. Um, it, it definitely is more of a uh, Wisconsin thing. And, and when you go to other places, you tend to see them do a really, really horrible imposter. Have you drank through an entire day? Oh, yeah, starting early. I mean, we work on a farm, so sometimes it's it's a long day. I mean, you know, we installed some steel roofs, started at 6 a.m. and ended up at 9 at night and passed out. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. Uh, how can you drink all day if you don't start in the morning? That's right, a right. classic saying, right? Have you stood outside as a tornado warning was going off? Yeah, as a true Wisconsin dad, I follow the footsteps of my dad. And my grandfather, who did the same thing. I mean, you would see the worst weather. Like, things would be blowing. Like, there'd be a hole stain just flying past your house, and my dad would still be standing outside. Well, that's the key, man. You you, you obviously yell at the entire family, get downstairs, take shelter, do whatever you got to do. And then the next move you make is to get outside, front porch, do whatever you can, grab a cold one and you just watch it happen. And if you're close enough, you wave at the next door neighbor. Cause he's doing the same damn thing. Yeah. I mean like you have a flannel on and instantly the wind is blowing so hard. You're a magic mic. It rips right off. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, let's just say that that's poor, poor sight right there. Do you know what a fib is? F I B. Of course. Um, <laughs> Like I said in the episode, our state has really become like the Illinois National Park. I mean, those people come up here, you know, and not all of them are bad. Like some of them are really respectable, but a lot of times they destroy the national parks and stuff. It's really frustrating, honestly, in my opinion, but I don't know about you. Um, I believe that Illinois is the armpit of the entire United States. Uh, they are garbage. I do not like Illinois at all. So I got a question for you before we continue on. Do you do you know what the attraction is with Lake Geneva? I've never understood it my whole life. No, and obviously uh, Russ and I both grew up in Elkhorn, which is a short 10-minute drive uh, down Highway 12 to Lake Geneva. There really isn't any – I mean, obviously there's hundreds if not thousands of people on any given weekend – but there's not really anything to do. It's it's really similar to the town of Elkhorn where uh, there's there's a few shops and things. But, I mean, shit, if you've seen them once, you've seen them all. Uh, I mean, it, there's no reason to be there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the attraction, and I know that this was actually, um, this was this was news recently with the, with the COVID stuff. That as soon as Wisconsin opened, they actually sent somebody from CNN to Lake Geneva to talk about how there was like hundreds, if not thousands of people walking around and like one person had a face mask on. Nobody was, that's, nobody that's was trying to nuts. do anything to limit their, their uh, exposure. All right. Have you been to a tractor pull or a truck pull even? 
Yeah, I've been to both. Um, I used to go with my grandpa as a little boy. Um, shout outs, R.I.P. Lon, I love you. Um, but yeah, I've been to multiple. All right, and have you been to a Milwaukee Bucks game? Of course, I love the Bucks. I mean, you know, they've had a few disappointing seasons, but I'm always a Wisconsin fan, anything Wisconsin through and through. Definitely. My wife and I are season ticket, half-season ticket holders for this season. Uh, kind of screwed us over a little bit with COVID, and we're going to get like a refund on about five games, and we won't be able to do anything with the postseason like we thought. Uh, but hopefully they, uh, the NBA actually continues the season uh, just for the playoffs alone. That'd be awesome. Final question here. Have you driven a snowmobile to a bar? Yeah. Yeah, so up north I've been to a few. Um, Trails End, one of them. But, yeah, I've definitely done that, hands down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say that I have uh, gone to – I haven't gone to a bar, uh, on a snowmobile, but, um, I've been to uh, a bunch of bars where, uh, in the winter, that's, that's something that you see more commonly than not, uh, either somebody coming in with, uh, their full Articat jacket and snow pants and all that stuff that they need to get completely undressed before they sit down. Or when you pull into a parking lot of one of a bar, that the, uh, there's more snowmobiles than there are vehicles, regular vehicle, yeah. road vehicles. So that's definitely a, a very common thing. Um, so we're going to move right into our next segment, which is how many locos you at? Yeah. So this segment, it's kind of an inside joke between us. Um, I used to live with a roommate, Mike, and we would, uh, kind of guess like how many locos you at where we drink four locos so for example like if you have two locos you're at an eight loco like you you're like an eight loco for me is maxed out if i hit a 12 loco there's gonna be a story to tell the next day yeah and and honestly you'll need the story to kind of fill in the gaps that you're missing because if you're at that many loco you definitely have hit blackout stage yeah, it's, it's bad news bears. And so basically what we're going to do, we're going to read a local news article, like kind of a messed up news article to tell you the truth. And we're going to try to guess how many locos it would take you to get to this point. So this lovely tale um, comes from us from September of 2012. It's a love story of sorts between man and couch. This lovely tale begins with a Waukesha resident, age 47. And we're not going to use names because you can go on public record and find this. I don't want to bring any more shame to the guy. It's, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so this resident found, in quotations, comfort in a fine f- piece of furniture. Um, honestly, it's taking the term love seat a little too literal. Yeah, I've slept on the couch, but I've never slept with the couch. He was discovered by an off-duty Waukesha officer. And in the police record, the officer wrote, and I quote, he began thrusting his pelvic area against the cushions and trying to sexually gratify himself by rubbing his penis between the two cushions. In the end, he pled guilty to a public lewd behavior charge and was required to pay $243 in court fees. 
And honestly, considering like what he did to that couch, $243, that's a discount. But he not only was charged uh, uh, the fine, but he also had a court stipulation that says he cannot own or, or be in possession of pornography. Which, which is understandable, but at the same time, like, is there a restraining order that Ashley's Furniture can take out on this guy? A hundred yards or, you know? <laughs> Pen- Penny Mustard is going to have him uh, locked up behind bars, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so I'm, you know, I don't know what he, what he thought. Like, do, did he think Ashley Furniture was actually like a blonde-haired hottie, like a smoking hot babe? But when he got let down, do you think he just kind of settled for the next best thing? Yeah, which is uh, Greg's used furniture sitting on the street corner ready to get picked up by the old uh, hauler. Yeah, I think it was like maybe it was a Salvation Army beauty. There was no details on where he was doing this at. I mean, it could have been a Goodwill, Dirty Down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So now is the turn, is this time where we end up guessing how many locals do you think this guy had to drink to get to this level? Eric, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. Uh, locally brewed in La Crosse, Wisconsin for loco. I'm telling you right now, this guy had to have been at least, I'm going to say two and a half full cans of loco. So he must've been about a 10 and a half loco, 10 and a half loco. Yeah. Kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, he might've been at a three canner. I mean, if you have a three can, you're going to have a bad time. And this guy definitely had a bad time. Um, so I have another question for you. Um, if you were a person placing this ad in the newspaper that would make somebody really fall in love like this with the couch, what, what, what kind of things would you say? Well, um, I might go with gently used couch, beautifully carved legs. Solid core, curvaceous look, denim fabric with cushions tightly pressed into it. Man, you got me Randy after that. Um, I might have to stop at Steinoffels on the way home, buddy. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna, I might be in the newspaper tomorrow. Keep an eye out. This next segment is actually a local music segment. We feature local artists in Wisconsin uh, it's a hard thing to get your music recognized in the Midwest, and so this is our tribute to these musicians. So this artist coming up, he's a very good friend of both of us. His name is Sam Arneson. We literally love this guy. We've both been in bands with him. Um, I was in Drop Dead Dream along with Eric. Yeah. Uh, I was also in So So Radio with him and Ryan Garcia. Yeah. And uh, But this one is actually from his current band, Sam So. Yeah, and I actually... I worked with Sam on the first uh, Sam So record, uh, Freedom Seeds. So I'm featured on that one uh, in a a couple different songs. So definitely go to his band camp. I know he's got some stuff out on iTunes, uh, the Apple Store and stuff like that too. So uh, check that out there. Yeah, he just released a new album actually called Sing to the Bears. Um, I recommend checking it out. But here's a song that he wanted us to feature. It's called I Got a Canoe and I Got You. Show. 
All right, guys, that was Sam So, I Got a Canoe and I Got You, off of Sing to the Bears. This next segment is a beer review. This segment is devoted to local Wisconsin beer. Throughout this episode, you may have heard a few cracks of a beer. Uh, Well, we like to drink to loosen up, but we also support the local breweries. Um, We have both made batches of homebrew ourselves, uh, mostly in Russ's house or Russ's garage. Um, But we're not beer snobs. We're not going to go way too crazy into detail um, uh, for the evaluation. But um, we love love beer. We wanted to give you a little bit of an overview. Maybe you're not... um, Maybe you're not, uh, you know, reaching out and, and trying to find different beers. Maybe you're the type that you just go with your classic Miller Lite, and that's fine. Yeah, we're not going to judge just, you. Exactly, yeah. Well, this isn't a judgment thing. This is really just more of a, hey, if you want to explore, here's one to check out, and here's why. Yeah, so the beer we've been drinking today, um, it's called Two Women by New Glarus. Um, it's a classical country lager. It's at about 5% AVV, which is great. You know, if, if especially in the hot months when you're working outside, you don't want to get trash falling over, especially if you're up on those roofs. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But the beer is brewed with uh, Weyermann's floor malt, Bohemian malts, and Holler Tower hops. The beer pairs well with pork chops, steak, pasta, salads, and is a great beer if you're just going to throw in the picnic, at, you know, the picnic basket if you're going out with the family to have a couple beers, you know. You're not going to get drunk. You're not going to act a fool. And it also pairs well. So if you're into cheese, which I'm huge into cheese, I don't know about you, Eric, but I love cheese. Oh, yep. I think about my cheese before I think about the rest of the uh, meal. So this beer specifically, you know, it pairs well with Gruyere, Provolone, and Colby. Now, the one thing I really love about New Glarus is they kind of give Illinois the middle finger. Like, you have to come to the state to spend money to actually buy this beer. You, um, you, you, can't just, you can't just go to, like, an Illinois convenience store and get this stuff. I am all for giving Illinois the middle finger. Yeah, and it's great because they come up here and spend the money and actually buy the beer because they want to try it. And now me and Eric, we've both been to this brewery. Um, it's beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go, it really, it's, 
it's kind of like a surrounding it like looks like a small town and um the beer gardens are really neat there's a center area where you actually get your beer filled there's a few little bars kind of here and there you can go to to get fill you get tickets you get a really cool glass i mean the the glass is awesome do you agree yeah i've um I haven't actually used it since, but the glass is like a showpiece itself. It is it is a pint glass, uh, unlike any other. It's awesome, and and honestly, to Russ's uh, point, the the beer garden, the patio thing is, oh, absolutely breathtaking. It is a beautiful place. Yeah, I mean, like that area specifically, um, you got a lot of German influence. But you got a lot of Swiss, and they kind of like combine those two. It like looks like a little village. It's really cool. The tour, you know, you can do a self guided, and I believe they actually have tours you can schedule. So somebody will actually walk you through and kind of talk you through the process. Um, we know the process. We we we've made a lot of homebrew, so we kind of know the generic overview already. So we just took the the standard tour where you can grab either a headset or just walk yourself through and do it yourself. Yeah, and and. Honestly, from even from behind the glass, looking at the different uh, pieces of machinery uh, within the operation, it is uh, it is quite stunning. It is a cool uh, cool overview of, of exactly you know what's going on. So not not to say that you shouldn't take the the guided tour with uh, an actual employee, but the the self guided one will do will do justice. If you don't know a whole lot about the beer making process. It does justice. Yeah, and the one thing you notice right away, like if you walk down, it's just it's in, incredible how new everything is. Everything is stainless, spotless. It's one of the cleanest, nicest breweries I've ever been to, to tell you the truth. Yeah, their their canning operation is actually brand new as of maybe just a few years ago. Uh, before that, it was only um, uh, there was uh, bottles or there was the keg operation. But uh, the, the new canning operation is new. Um, at the end of the tour, you can obviously go into the store, uh, gift store. There's plenty of beer to be had. There's plenty of really cool Wisconsin artifacts and New Glarus uh, things. So, yeah. So after drinking this, what what are your initial thoughts? I mean, for me personally, I would buy this again. It's one of those beers I take with me on a picnic when I'm working outside on the farm. I I would totally drink the stuff again. Yeah, honestly, I this is it's light enough to have a few which a lot of craft beers, you don't necessarily get that same vibe. You have one and it's heavy and it's just maybe it pushes you over that edge. Whereas the two women, you, you have that ability to maybe have just a couple of them and not feel like you're, you're completely bloated. So, and it obviously has a really good, not necessarily citrusy, but it's got that vibe to it, which is cool. Yeah. So we had a really cool day out there. Um, I got to hang out with my friends my roommate at the time, Mike, shout out to Mike. We love you. You're in Austin, Texas, but we still love you. Um, but yeah, we had a great day out there and uh, you have to tell the story. So there was a little petite blonde working behind the bar. And uh, how did you end up ordering your beer, Eric? So when you get the glass, they also give you tickets to purchase, uh, I believe, a, a couple of beers with it. And on the back patio, they have a couple of uh, little lemonade huts, if you will, uh, where they're distributing uh, a few different beers on tap. Well, we walked up to the one and I handed the the lady my ticket and I said, yeah, I'll take uh, two women and I'll also have a beer. 
we like literally we were cracking up. We thought it was the funniest thing. I mean, she, yeah. she you know, I don't know if she's heard it often or whatever, but she like looks so. She's like, "What is going on?" You know, yeah. like, she just kind of walked away from us. But I was laughing. I like I had tears in my eyes. It was such a great time. I had so much fun with my friends. It seemed like the the response of complete disapproval. So. Yeah, but overall, like we recommend you checking out New Glarus. If you get a chance, check out their brewery, check out their website, check out their beers, come to Wisconsin, grab it. Yeah, and that's it. We we love this beer. I mean, I, I have nothing else to say. What about you, Eric? No, absolutely not. Uh, New Glarus, just as a, as a uh, kind of to cap off, they're completely employee-owned. So um, that's definitely something to be, to be proud of uh, and – and they definitely, they need your support. I mean, obviously go there, check out the entire facility, but uh, also just to buy their, their beers. That's something that you can do to support them. Before we conclude this episode, we would like to give a shout out to a local business. Please support your local farms and farmers. I'm giving a shout out to a Facebook group this time, and I hope you will all join it. It's called Farm Direct Wisconsin. You can buy all your food directly from farmers and cut out the middleman which is nice because you don't have to deal with a grocery store. And just know, especially during this time period, it's really hard for them, you know, with the food chains being destroyed and everything to get their product out there and actually make money. So you can go directly to farms through this site. It's really nice. We use it all the time. We sell vegetables, eggs, whatever we can come up with. Um, But also if you purchase milk in your store, please buy Wisconsin milk. And if you want to know how you know if it's Wisconsin milk, please look at the serial number. There'll be a number on the top of the carton. Don't buy 17 dash. That's Illinois. Don't buy it. Buy the 55 dash number, number, number. You'll know it's Wisconsin then. Just look for the 55 number. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.